0: Buna Vista, episode 186. I am Ben and I am here at Bethesda Studios working on The Elder Scrolls 6. With me is Theo, senior engineer in the prestigious and highly elite quests about Rats team. Mm.
1: Hi Theo. <laughs> hey, how you going? You yeah, good? How are you? Good. I'm kind of I'm sp- I'm working smart, not hard. Um, I think I need a real work-life balance. That's why I wrote the um, script that just randomly generates quests about rats. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the end, it gives you a little uh, randomly generated rat crown um, to put on your your finger. Uh, And so far, nobody's noticed the difference uh, from all of the very well-handwritten, well-put-together quests that we usually do here at Bethesda Studios
0: in the quest about rat's team yeah yep. yeah and by
1: the way if you're if you're like just just a open kind of question to you guys if there's any sort of like beloved ...games franchise that we could pick up and then just totally uh, ignore the narrative themes... ...the kind of tonal themes, change the gameplay, change the whole way that it's set out. Um, Just let me know, um, because I'm really big into rats and rat fucking here at Bethesda Studio, so...
0: Well, I was thinking maybe um, if Bethesda bought the System Shock franchise and then made... Oh, uh, that'd be
1: good, yeah, and sort of just made like a System Shock... ...but it's now uh, a randomly generated um, space station... Uh, and occasionally uh, you go to a, a dungeon in the space station and there's two bodies in a bathtub and they're kind of <laughs> hugging and there's sort of some pills next by, nearby.
0: <laughs> That's called environmental storytelling. I don't know if you've heard of it. Very impressive stuff. Uh, also with us is Lucy, who is a senior engineer in the prestigious and highly elite filling dungeons with zombies or skeletons team. Hi, Lucy.
2: Hi, uh, I'm a d- diversity hire. We all know that. Um, I'm very qualified, and very smart, but uh, I'm only here because they needed to hire some chicks. So, but
1: I did. I did notice that um, you, a change since you've come on. Some of the uh, some of the skeletons clearly have female pelvises. That's right. Uh, so that's the success win for. And
2: I have reduced the size of their breasts uh, significantly. <laughs> <laughs> it Get was those a those skeleton much.
1: titties down to B cups. That's
2: right. Getting those skeleton bones down to a regular chest, you know. Mm -hmm.
0: Skeleton bones. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Skeletons be having bones. What's your issue?
0: (laughs) Um, So I'm going to try a segue here. Andrew usually does these and uh, it's a bit tough. Um, Here at uh, Bethesda, which I think their offices are in America, we're very far away from home. Here's another story about someone that was very far away from home.
2: That was good. And nice. here is where the theme song
0: will play when I put it in. Ba, ba, ba. That's nope. That's, that's the,
2: the Jeopardy song. <laughs>
0: no, that I thought oh. you were doing just the theme song to the podcast, not the yeah, theme no, song I, to the Nature Corner. Oh, okay. There we go. All right. Yeah, we've only done roughly three hundred and seventy episodes of this podcast. Country
2: Andrew's not here. We're all very confused. We're doing
1: a BLT episode. <laughs> the most delicious the of most all the episodes. That's right. People, people don't get but...
0: excited about a BLT anymore. Like I mean, I'm not saying they don't get excited about these episodes. I mean
1: like the sandwich. Yeah, and sort of old hat at this they point. Should.
0: People are crazy about a BLT. I think it's a nice
1: sandwich. It's a good oh, sandwich. It's, it's okay. It's fine. We'll all have one for lunch as a treat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there are better sandwiches out there to be had. There
2: heard. are better sandwiches out there.
0: Uh, should we turn this into an episode where we list all the kinds of sandwiches? That we, wait, no, have we already done that before? We, we, <laughs> I just, think we've already, we listed off all the named God, sandwiches it, from, from the
1: computer. Show. <laughs> sandwiches.
0: That was a good time. Anyway, this is from KFSM-TV in Fort Smith, Arkansas. 600-mile reunion, cat from Houston area reunited with owners after being found in northwest Arkansas. Carl, comma, the cat, comma, not uh-huh. Carl the Cat as a title, interestingly enough. Was reunited with his owner, Jason Ludlam, from Bay City, Texas, on Monday after being missing for four years. Oh. He had been hanging out in a neighborhood in Springdale, Arkansas, nearly 600 miles away for the past year. Along with other residents in Springdale, Justin Brown has been caring for Carl, all while hoping his owner would claim him. Recently, Brown's family took Carl to Lions Veterinary Clinic in Tontytown? <laughs> to see if he was microchipped, and sure enough, he what was. What the fuck? Four years later, someone's like, uh, we'll oh, does he have a it?
2: microchip?" <laughs> <laughs> Fucking out.
0: When um, the, I, I think I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but uh, the the dog that I found on like the highway in Tensleep, Wyoming, uh, I took to the local vet to be like, "Hey, um, I found this dog." do you think we could try and find a toner? And then, like, after being there for half an hour, I was like, oh, so she, did you, like, check if he was microchipped? And the lady was like, oh, that's a good idea. I think we've got one of those things. Like, Maybe Americans aren't, they don't have...
1: Brains. As su- function. Yeah, sorry,
0: they don't have brains. <laughs> Four years, they were it's just weird. like...
1: It's weird in Australia that, like, we have this system where vets are just expected to be good and decent. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether you can expect that in, in America, whether they spent that one half hour with the dog out back just tapping its bones to see how much marrow are in them. Good marrow here. we keep our suppliers happy for another week. Did you check the microchip thing? Ah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. of course. It's, Fuck. He's under me. We haven't plugged it in. Uh, it's probably out of charge, you know. like in a, like, It's always wild to me that you kind of just take a cat to the vet that you find because it's hassling your chickens. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know this cat. And then they just, like, scan the microchip, get the mobile phone number and call the person. And then, but, like, at no point does someone wait four years. Yeah, you just kind of do it. Isn't that kind of odd, though, that, like,
0: there aren't a lot of other professions where you would expect that sort of. They are essentially doing a public service, right, by doing that sort of thing where yeah, it's, it's just of kind of, you find a random dog on the street, you're like, well, I'll take that to a vet, obviously. That's not part of their job. No. They're not getting paid for that. Maybe in no America other profession... it
2: costs $10,000 to ask if the cat's microchips. True.
0: Yeah, it might well be. Yeah, maybe she didn't tell me that it cost $10,000 because she realized I was from out of the country and it was like a faux pas to yeah. ask that.
2: <laughs> Embarrassing.
0: Oh, God, she was laughing about it with all her other veterinary mm-hmm. friends later on. Uh, the clinic in Tauntytown, there's no way that's right, contacted <laughs> Jason Ludlum to tell the news. He was pleasantly surprised to learn that Carl was still out there being taken care oh, of. Carl. Oh, Carl. I remember Carl.
2: That's <laughs> such a oh, mild yeah. way of
0: putting yeah. that. Oh, that's a bit nice, isn't it? Oh, it's been nice. four years. <laughs> uh, just days later, he jumped on a plane to Arkansas to get him. Veterinarian Brad Lyon says when it, wherever Carl was before being found in Springdale, he's been very well taken care of. It's pretty unusual, but it does happen. We've had animals six, seven years lost and found for. That's the reason we microchip animals and hear stories like this all the time. We got to be part of one this year so far. 2021 is a good year.
2: <laughs> no, it isn't. He just it's found a It's not going cat. to be.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm very happy to you that in the like first month of the year, one nice thing happened. It is not going to be a good year, pal.
1: Anyway, uh, time to keep putting these boards up. I'm gonna try- <laughs> it's almost sundown. <laughs> That's Raiders about.
0: Uh, Carl's owners have no clue how he got all the way from Texas to northwest Arkansas, but excited to have him back. I would kill to see a movie of this.
2: I want to know. It's already a movie. It's called Homeward Bound.
0: really. Carl thing. didn't know
2: where he was going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, the, there's basically two ways this could have played out, right? One is the exciting version, which is over the course of four years, he incrementally travelled... 600 miles, you know, in sort of bits and pieces, or it's just like someone in Houston was like, oh, that's a cool, cat. I'll keep it, and then drove <laughs> all the way to Arkansas. Uh, Jason and his wife, Angie, bottle fed Carl as a kitten. Aww. He was raised with cats and dogs, but preferred to hang out with one particular dog. Carl used to go on walks with the dog and learned how to bark like a dog. Oh, oh, is-
2: I need to hear more about Carl. this
1: is like wow. Now Carl like a cat, a cat with personality, a, cat version of a furry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Just- <laughs> He's yiffing. <laughs> oh,
1: never say that word on this podcast ever again.
0: <laughs> now Carl is on a long ride home to Texas to be reunited with the rest of his family, where he will be a much loved indoor cat. Mm. Good call.
1: You know how you got the taste of freedom over. Four years, <laughs> surprised by the fucker getting no more get used of that. to two no.
0: rooms.
2: I feel like after four years, that's not your cat anymore. You know,
0: that's the world's cat.
2: That's the world's cat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they say that he's on a long ride home to Texas now. Uh, are they driving him back? Because the guy flew there. What's he doing? He's like renting a car,
1: Just driving paying a guy with like a bunch kilometers. of crab pots on the back of his truck. <laughs> <laughs> Make room in one of those pots for for Carl. <laughs>
0: Carl actually loves it. He loves the outdoors. He'll be fine.
1: He'll be fine. Put him in one of those uh, dog cages on the back. It'll just bark the whole <laughs> way.
0: <laughs> I want to see a video of Carl barking so bad. You can't just drop that in your article without some sort of...
2: post a video of Carl.
0: ...accompanying multimedia. Speaking of one animal that was extremely far from home, here's another animal that was extremely far from home. Uh, this is a new story from the Southern Daily Echo... Emu loose on A32 to return home. Pardon? Mm -hmm. A Southampton man has described catching an emu after it was running loose on the A32 (laughs) as the weirdest day of his life. (laughs) (laughs) But it looks to be a happy ending for the bird nicknamed Dave by emergency services.
2: (laughs) Dave. It's a good Uh, emu name.
0: This is in England. I don't know how to make this any more clear because they don't say the word. Uh, Southampton in England.
1: No. And they they don't have emus there. No, no as, as, as far haven't. as I
0: understand, uh, you don't traditionally find emus in there. Just in that, that one video of the guy, we've all seen the video, right? The I actually checked I to know. see if it was the same emu, but it's this fucking old video that pops up every now and then of some extremely English northern sounding lads in a car yelling out the window to a man in his mid-40s who is walking an emu. Somewhere in England, and they're just like, What have you got an ostrich for? He's like, He's not an ostrich, he's an emu, and he's an asshole.
2: I've never seen this video.
0: <laughs> it is the best shit in the world. Uh, unfortunately, I don't believe it's the same emu. No. So there are at not. least two pet emus in England. <laughs> hey! hey. hey. So in the what the fuck? Got bird, bro. You're walking a fucking ostrich, you dab cunt
2: It's a fucking
0: emu, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an emu <e-view. laughs> let's have a look at it it's
2: a fucking emu man
0: this is a beauty isn't she it's an he oh is it <laughs>
2: his name's
0: Waters you're fucked up you man. an asshole you're fucked up you Fuck man. Off. <laughs> uh, Winchester police officers warned motorists to drive slowly and keep an eye out after spotting the escape bird around 10am on Thursday morning on the A32 near Wickham Road a spokesperson for Hampshire Constabulary, mm-hmm. <laughs> what a fucking dumb place. <laughs> uh, at the time, said police are trying to engage and get the bird to safety.
1: Mm. See, I've <laughs> met emus. Uh, <laughs> some of my best friends some are emus, <laughs> and um, I, it's not the bird's safety that you're that you're concerned. No, no it's your own. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's not he's not trapped out there. <laughs> uh, you're trapped out there with him, and out there is <laughs> <With> England.
2: <Dave. laughs>
0: I don't want to put bad thoughts into people's heads, but um, just imagine an emu driving its beak completely into one of your eye holes.
2: Mm.
0: Just go right in there. It's the perfect tool for gouging out a human eye. They it actually really evolved that way,
2: and they're very tall. They it's can tall. get you.
0: They're fast. Uh, Fair and police provided an update on Twitter at 2:20 p.m. after successfully catching the bird. An image was released showing the Captured Bird, with officers at the time not knowing who owned it or where it came from. <laughs> Drew Lee, a 23-year-old technician from motorbike dealership Destination Triumph Solent, said, My boss came running into the shop saying, You're not going to believe this, but there's an emu on the road outside. Hmm.
1: I wouldn't believe it even in Australia. I, I probably would have said, wouldn't.
0: Fuck off. That's <laughs> not true. Uh, staff at the shop, worried about a road accident taking place, managed to subdue the frightened bird, which is God. over five foot tall and had since been made an honorary staff member. <laughs> what? They what?
1: do not Pardon? know what they're dealing with. What
0: is what happening One of the greatest honors that you could bestow on an animal is saying, hey, uh, you don't really, but in our minds, you work at this motorcycle dealership. <laughs>
2: Putting a little name tag on him. <laughs>
0: just trying to write Dave somewhere on its neck.
2: Just running around and knocking shit over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Try to teach it how to take apart a motorcycle engine. It's just... <laughs> God, why, why are people trying to subdue an emi? Okay, I'm... Or everyone who is Australian listening to this is well aware of, of what we're talking about. But if you're not, just Google the words emu uh, toe. Just chuck those words into mm-hmm. the image search for duck, duck, Go, and and have a look at that bad boy. It has three, there's three toes, but there's only really one to speak of. And that's the old, that's the old letter opener he's got up, <laughs> up front.
0: Mm-hmm. They are just horrible creatures. Uh,
1: they
2: barely evolved from dinosaurs. They have
1: scales. They've got full-on dinosaur scales from the knife-edge point on the the like front of that toe all the way up uh, to their belly. Just, just very like barely, barely birds at this stage.
0: There are. There was an emu at uh, Bundaberg's famous free zoo uh that's in the middle of town when i when i was living there and uh i was terrified of it and i was separated from it by a fence and i would just every time i saw it i would be absolutely convinced it was going to find a way to kill me i still think it might
2: they're horrible beasts uh
0: mr lee managed to restrain dave for around an hour before oh, police God. arrived on scene <laughs> He described the dramatic scene of police transporting the bird to a local animal park with a blue light escort before its tranquilizers wore off. Oh my God. <laughs> just, it's like eyes snapping open like the velociraptor at the start of Jurassic
1: Park. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid, he's got three Zs above his head. <laughs> oh, fuck, he's down to one Z. Drive faster. Uh, Drew
0: was relieved to hear that the owner had come forward. It's great news that they found where it come from, but I'd like to visit it one day. <laughs> Uh, Duncan Bolton, curator at Bird World in Farnham, Uh, told The Echo on Friday that that Dave had come around from the sedatives, describing him as a healthy, friendly bird.
2: (laughs) Why have they just asked some men around? They'd be like, did you see that bird? What would you think of him?
0: (laughs) Did it look good and chill to you? (laughs) He said the owner had since got in touch after seeing media coverage of the bird and police in a flap. So, that bird has safely made its way home. How would you but restrain to, an emu? Birdworld
1: Bird World at Farnham?
0: Well, I don't think he lives there. I think this is just a guy they reached out to for oh, covert at Bird it. World. The guy at I think this, World. Is, yeah, this is a privately owned emu, I believe. Which uh, is nuts. This guy's go just got like, kicking around in his something? backyard. I don't know. It's very strange.
2: I'm, just, I'm checking out what they've got at Bird World in Farnham. That sounds really good.
0: I I bet it's like there are a ton of those sorts of places in Southeast Queensland where it's not quite a theme park you would really go to, and it's not quite a zoo, but there's like it's Bird World, four or five coolish birds. You're like, oh, that is a pretty big <laughs> parrot, I guess. I've never seen no, one of those. Right. I always
1: thought Bird World was what they called a British brothel.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think that's true.
1: Go on down to Bird World. <laughs> Is this you get brothel to meet running? The birds first. This TV ads that Bird World is running to the brothel. <laughs> Oi, mate. Come are you lonely? On, <laughs> We've got a spacious kids' area.
0: <laughs> so um, I don't know if you guys remember uh, an episode we did recently. We talked about um, the the cow that took six months to catch. The uh, the cow that was at large for six months because they cow. just they couldn't get the loose cow into the trailer because they weren't trying very hard by all accounts. Uh, I I saw a story pop up where I was like, oh, it's another headline about that same cow. Uh, it's not. This is another headline about a different cow. This is from news agency UPI. Uh, Beefalo on the loose for six months resurfaces after snowstorm. Beefalo. Beefalo.
2: Beefalo. Is, is that a name? Is that a is that a thing? Uh,
0: I will allow this article to explain. Police in Connecticut said a beefalo, a hybrid of a cow and a bison that escaped from a trailer outside a slaughterhouse six months ago, has been spotted in the area and appears to be doing well despite winter storms. So, I didn't
2: know you could breed a cow and a bison. I did there not you know go. that
0: either. Uh, bison are huge. That just seems like an uncomfortable arrangement. The Plymouth Police Department shared a photo on Facebook showing the beefalo dubbed Buddy by the locals wandering the snow in the Terryville area of Plymouth. As you can see, he is doing fine, the post said. Ready for dinner.
2: That's not nice.
0: (laughs) Now, yeah, are they saying (laughs) ready for our dinner or ready for its dinner?
2: It sounds like it's called a beefalo. I'd Mm. say it's ready for their dinner. (laughs)
0: Well, wow. Buddy escaped August 3rd from a trailer outside the Plymouth Meats Processing Facility. Good for Buddy. He was next it, seen buddy. two weeks later wandering loose in Terryville. A fundraiser to save Buddy from slaughter raised enough money to secure the bovine a new home at the Critter Farm Sanctuary in Florida, but attempts to capture the beefalo have thus far been unsuccessful. Least shared video in September showing Buddy approaching a trap but ultimately leaving without being ensnared. Good boy. <laughs> Good Buddy, for him.
1: Buddy belongs to himself now. He's emancipated. Just let a fucking beefalo be.
0: I, uh, I really like this story because I saw it and I thought, oh wow, what a coincidence. It's another cow that was at loose for six months before being captured. Uh, no, this is a cow that's been at loose for six months and the story is that they managed to get a photo of it. <laughs> it's still loose. <laughs> I just don't understand what's happening here. This is I'm now multiple times where they've been like, "Yep, we've spotted it. We've seen it. We know where it is. There's no way
1: we can contain can't this anymore." Well, I've about just put it. I've just put a photo of a beefalo in the in the chat there. Um, I
0: oh no! How
1: how do you catch that? That is that is ochre.
0: That is ochre. Uh, a- <laughs> but the part where ochre is wilding out,
1: yeah, that <laughs> thing is stacked.
0: Um, sorry, I know this is an audio format, so feel free to Google beefalo in DuckDuckGo images, uh, and check um, out that muscly son of a Look at the size
2: of that lad.
0: I thought that would be hairier. Yeah, is that no, what all beefalo look like? Yeah, well, They're some of them are got hair. It Very depends, smooth. but, um,
1: but I think if you imagine a cow and then just take the, uh, character selector, <laughs> uh, slider for shoulders, mm-hmm. and you want to put that <laughs> all the way up, just joke mm-hmm. levels of shoulders. Oh, well, there are some handsome
0: beefalo out there.
2: They're a nice looking, nice looking animal.
0: We're a pro beefalo podcast. Oh, oh, okay.
1: They can uh, be hairy. They can be very
0: hairy. Hmm. There are a lot of variants of this. Uh, of beefalo. Well, not a lot. I'm seeing four. Uh, domesticated cattle, beefalo, cattle and American buffalo is the spectrum you can run of buffaloness ness uh, Weird. Weird creatures. Anyway, good luck to Buddy. I wish good you all luck the best He deserves his freedom. He does. Like, if they can survive out there and nothing bad is happening to them. Let him go. Good on him. Let yeah. him live. Uh, there's also a different cow currently on the loose. I didn't include this story because uh, I was like, well, it's basically the same thing again. Um, sanctuary offers home to steer that escaped slaughter in Rhode Island. The owner of a New Jersey sanctuary said a steer that escaped from a Rhode Island slaughterhouse will be given a new permanent home if rescuers can find it. Mike Shurer, head of nonprofit Skylands Rescue in New Jersey, said he struck a deal with the Connecticut owner of the escaped steer to have the bovine donated to the sanctuary at no cost. The steer escaped from outside the Rhode Island beef and veal slaughterhouse in Johnston last week and has been on the loose ever since. The steer was spotted several times on the day of the escape but hasn't been seen in several days. Rescuers say they are currently searching for the animal in the Woonersquartucket River Basin area. Mysterious said the steer could survive on the loose for months if it finds an adequate food source. He said the animal would not be bothered by the icy temperatures. What is going on?
2: What is happening?
0: I mean, good on them. Like, we're obviously on the side of the, the cows escaping the slaughterhouses. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, good lord. But they really, shit together.
1: They're really, like, jumping off that conveyor belt right at the very end there. Like, they know what's going on.
0: They're screaming, mm.
1: freedom, in cow I think it's yeah.
0: time
2: for a cow uprising, much like the film Chicken Run, mm. you know?
1: Yep. Or the song Cows With Guns. No? Yes, sure. No. Uh, it is America.
0: Much like in the film Okja, mm-hmm. with all of the, the creatures, the big pig hippopotamus things.
2: That's right. i got to say, Bird World at Farnham looks pretty good.
0: Tell us, what have they got? <laughs> They've
2: got a lot of birds there, you know? There's got Terry Pratchett Owl Parliament.
0: Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, Did he, like, sponsor a wing of
1: the World? No, it's just
2: the Terry Pratchett Owl Parliament pays tribute to one of the world's most charismatic authors and creator of the Discworld universe.
1: (laughs) I think you usually sponsor two wings and a body.
2: Anyways, and what else
0: do they have at Bird World?
2: They've got a lot of birds. They have a flamingo sanctuary that looks like shit and like flamingos shouldn't live in it. <laughs> <laughs> the best picture they could get was like, it's a grey sky. <laughs> These poor flamingos in there. It's
1: God. it's been in years. Imagine how <laughs>
0: fucking <laughs> depressed you'd be being a flamingo in England. That's just <laughs> the saddest miserable. thing I could imagine. They
2: should not have flamingos there. Uh, they also have a rabbit and a pig.
0: Wow. So they're liars. <laughs> They're it's more fucking than birds liars. At Bird World. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Bird World. Come look at this pig. <laughs> Come see the flightless
1: birds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to keep up the um, Nature Corner theme here. I've got another charming, wonderful, uh, delightful, definitely no b- bad parts animal story for you here. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from News Channel 5 in Nashville. Eight-year-old Border Collie named Lulu inherits $5 million in owner's will. It's the story of a truly pampered pet, Lulu, an eight-year-old Border Collie. Oh. Mm-hmm. She was That's loved by... a good
1: by age and a good breed to have $8 mil- How much? Uh, five, $5 million. $5 bucks. million. Yeah. It's right. a dog that would actually know how to spend that money. <laughs>
0: Wouldn't waste <laughs> it all on treats straight away or things of that nature. <laughs> Uh, She was loved by her human, and when he died, his last will and testament made Lulu a very wealthy pooch. Typically, Lulu plays a watchdog outside of her Nashville home. But the truth is, she can now afford to hire her own security. Lulu works the front door not because she has to, but because she wants to. Yes, she's a good girl, said Martha Burton, Lulu's caretaker now. The two have been together for years, as the 88-year-old Burton kept Lulu for her friend, the dog's owner, Bill Doris. He was always on the road, and Doris wanted Lulu well cared for when he was gone. Well, he always left the dog for me to take care of, said Burton. Then, late last year, the 84-year-old Doris, an unmarried, successful businessman, died. His will named Lulu and left her money enough to pay for more kibble than any dog could possibly imagine. Oh yes, he loved that dog, said Burton. (laughs) Exactly how much did Doris leave? The will reads, $5 million will be transferred to a trust to be formed upon my death for the care of my border collie, Lulu. I don't really know what to think about it, to tell you the truth. He just really loved the dog, Burton said. The will specifies the trust is to provide for all the needs of Lulu. The dog will remain in possession of Martha Burton. So,
1: is, <laughs> is,
0: is, is it just her money now? Why? So, they do actually go into a little more detail here. Um... Uh, the estate is currently in probate. It's not exactly clear how much it's worth. But friends of Doris had vast real estate holdings and investments. Burton doesn't know anything at all about that. What she does know is that Lulu was happy and loved. There are no plans to buy a solid, dog, go, solid gold dog bowl or diamond crusted collar. The will states that Burton will simply be reimbursed for reasonable monthly expenses. Uh, she knows there's no way they could ever spend five million dollars. But Burton says with a smile, "Well, I'd like to try." The trust will be handled by a conservator who will approve and reimburse Burton for expenses to care for Lulu. So the dog has a representative saying <laughs> what money that the uh, the dog can spend. <laughs> or that the human woman can spend on the dog.
1: Yeah. Give her a little uh, walking around money.
0: <laughs> Just a little bit off the top. Uh, it's not clear what will happen to any money left in the trust when Lulu, who is eight years old, someday passes away. So that's a a, a nice story about an old man... We just really loved his dog, is right? It? Mm. I don't
2: know if it's a nice story. I'd be killing that dog. <gasps> oh, my God.
0: What <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs>
2: the dog doesn't need $5 million. We're in a pandemic. Fucking hell. Fuck you, Lulu. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you might actually be um, kind of spot on having some misgivings about Bill Doris. Yeah, yeah. He chose
1: to, chose to uh, give his money to a dog instead of helping people.
0: Here's the final paragraph of this article. Uh-huh. If you recognize the name Bill Doris, he's been in the news as the owner of a property along Interstate 65 with the controversial statue of Nathan Bedford Forrest. The future of that statue will also be determined in probate court. You guys have probably seen a oh photo of God. this statue before. <laughs> I Just get you to scroll down. down to that point <laughs> of <the> document. <laughs> I didn't
2: know who this was. It's the funny guy on the horse. It's the
0: funny (laughs) man on a horse, right? Duck duck go open. (laughs) Um, Yeah, could someone describe this, Uh, Lucy? You want to have a bash at that?
2: It's just—it's a silver man with the the most hilarious facial expression riding a gold horse and holding Mm -hmm. a gun.
0: (laughs) We're going to read you um, a couple of paragraphs here from Canadian newspaper, The National Post. The forest statue bordering I-65, just south of Nashville, is 25 feet tall. It depicts the general atop a golden steed with beady blue eyes and pistol in hand. As a work of public art, it is garishly cartoonish. The sculptor, Jack Kershaw, was an amateur artist and a full-time attorney whose most famous client, James Earl Ray, gunned down Martin Luther King Jr. in Memphis.
2: What the fuck? Shit. Shit.
0: The statue was erected in 1998 and sits on 3.5 acres of privately owned land. Kershaw, now dead, once said in relation to it, somebody has to say something good about slavery. What? Its current owner, Bill Doris, made his money manufacturing bathtubs for the elderly. What? He cuts the grass on the property, makes sure the array of Confederate flags surrounding the statue look crisp and smart, and that the floodlights illuminating forest stay lit at night. Doris has received death threats because of the statue. The statue has been shot at, but the 80-year-old won't take it down. Nor is he willing to concede that Forrest, a slaveholder, was racist, or that his military brilliance and bravery as a cavalryman shouldn't obscure the fact that he was fighting to preserve slavery and became a significant player in the KKK.
2: Oh, my goodness.
0: I'm not taking that statue down, Doris says in a phone call from his Nashville area home. That property is land that Nathan Bedford Forrest occupied during the War of Northern Aggression. You know what the War of Northern Aggression is sometimes mistakenly called? The Civil War.
2: The War of Northern Aggression.
0: Slavery was never an issue. Nathan (laughs) Bedford Forrest was not a racist.
2: Oh, boy. I didn't know any of this about that statue.
0: (laughs) What a fucking world. I was just like, oh, he's, that is he's leaving money to a dog. Things, that is one too many things,
1: It's so much. The, I okay. So the, <laughs> if it was the Confederate statue and that's that, it would all have made sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how yep. can this possibly... <sighs> yep.
0: You know how um, it says that he made his money manufacturing bathtubs? <laughs> for the elderly. <laughs> yeah, for the elderly. Incidentally, uh, this statue, I believe, is made out of uh, leftover metal from bathtubs that was given to him by Bill Doris. <laughs> it's just, it's the worst looking statue in the world. Like, If it you have not so DuckDuckGo images d- this image at this point, please do. Uh, just i sixty five forest statue should get you there. Holy fuck!
1: I, for one, think the statue rules, but I have a hard time uh, separating the art from the artist. Yeah, hmm.
2: I mean, it objectively rules the way that it looks, but um,
1: it's extremely it's stupid. I did not realise that it was twenty five feet tall. Twenty five feet It's <laughs> twenty five feet tall. It's,
0: it's really big. God. It's enormous. <laughs>
2: Oh, fuck me. I just love the idea that he's got to, like, illuminate it at night with the Confederate flags all around.
0: Oh, you've absolutely got to see it. <laughs> fuck
1: me. So, so this, for, for stupidity, and I think this is unintentional stupidity, this reminds me of uh, an incredible statue that we just happened upon when we were, like, just completely blindly... Uh, walking the streets of Prague. Um, I wish I could work out how to copy an image on, on Google images, but I think the t- technology doesn't exist yet. One second, we'll have to edit around this. Cause I'll definitely Discord edit it. this out.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Mm, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. You noting that down in your time, in your time journal? Yeah. <laughs> time journal. Oh uh, fuck. It's not even uploading. Who cares? Let's All move right.
2: on. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Good story. <laughs>
1: Yep. Uh, it's a dude uh, on an upside down horse.
2: <laughs> oh, I love that statue. Of I've
1: got it somewhere.
2: It's good. I like it. <laughs> I too have been to Praga.
0: Is that how that they say it? Mm, yep. That's, yep. <laughs> never been to Europe. Not interested.
2: Oh, you've never been to Budapest?
0: I've never been to Budapest, no.
1: Theo, have you been to Budapest? No, I haven't been to to Budapest, except when being uh, transported there through the magic of music uh, with the uh, late 1990s, early 2000s, uh, Pain of Salvation prog metal epic. Um, fuck, I can't even remember. Remedy Lane, there you go.
0: I saw Pain of <laughs> Salvation open for Dream <laughs> of Theater. You
1: did, of course you did.
0: And it was the, literally the worst concert of my entire life. Yes. yes. A friend of mine had a spare ticket and was like, hey, do you want to come see Dream Theater? And I said, oh, fuck it, why not? I drove down from the sunny coast to Brisbane to see Pain of Salvation and Dream Theater, and it was the fucking worst. It was the most boring shit I've ever had to sit through in my entire life. I love how Dream Theater do that thing where they're like, Alright, enough fucking around. Here's a catchy riff. Just kidding, we're doing it for four seconds. Now we're mm-hmm. off into noodling again.
1: Now, Yeah, now it's time for the, uh, for the keyboard solo. This one's a little ragtime piece. Oh, Shut God, the fuck up. So stop fucking stop doing that. You had a good riff going. Just yeah. play the riff.
0: Speaking of professionals not doing the job they're <laughs> supposed to do, here's a story from the Associated Press. Wisconsin biologist charged with lying about caviar scheme. So far, so good. (laughs) Uh, Sent in to us by biologist of the show. No, uh, marine biologist of the show, Jesse. Thank you so much. I, I don't know what you know about terrestrial animals. Uh, Prosecutors charged the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources' top sturgeon expert Thursday with obstructing an investigation into allegations that his employees have been (laughs) funneling the valuable fish's eggs to a network of caviar processors under the guise of a scientific study. Wonderful. Now that's one sentence. No Um, notes. (laughs) Yeah. How good would it be to be recognized as the top sturgeon expert? In your department.
1: It would be good, but it's a long way to fall.
0: (laughs) I'm sure there's hundreds of rungs in the Sturgeon expertise ladder in the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. Uh, Ryan Koenigs faces one count of obstructing a conservation warden, which is a misdemeanor punishable by up to nine months in jail and $10,000 in fines. Online court records did not list an attorney for him. Good sign. (laughs) Uh, DNR spokeswoman Sarah Hoy said Koenig's was placed on administrative leave Thursday, but declined further comment. He could be the first of many to be charged in what investigators allege was a wide-ranging scheme involving multiple DNR employees and caviar processors.
2: Wow, Sturgeon, this is a big caviar scheme.
0: I, I'm going to say this is probably my first uh, sort of wildlife department caviar scheme that I've ever heard of.
2: Yeah, probably the same.
0: But, I mean, it's probably rampant, I bet. Uh, Sturgeon are bony fish that can grow as large as 12 feet long. Too big. That is Uh, too big for a fish. And their eggs are highly coveted as caviar. Wisconsin, which prides itself on outdoor traditions such as hunting and fishing, holds a sturgeon spearing season every February on the Lake Winnebago system near Oshkosh, about 90 miles northwest of Milwaukee. This year's season is set to begin on Saturday. According to the criminal complaint, Koenigs has served as the DNR's top sturgeon biologist since 2012 and is the lead coordinator for the department's spearing season, which is held every February on the Lake Winnebago system. He oversees the roughly 60 DNR workers who staff registration stations during the season. That's a lot. That's a lot of people going out there and spearing sturgeon.
2: That sounds so fun.
0: The DNR and the US Fish and Wildlife Service began a joint investigation in 2017 into allegations that DNR workers had been illegally selling or trading sturgeon caviar in violation of state and federal law.
2: <laughs> so good. Just imagine, like, some plucky investigator going to his boss and being like, they're selling it as caviar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we got him. <laughs> The investigation culminated in January 2020 and uncovered multiple people who were illegally selling, purchasing, bartering, or trading sturgeon oh, eggs, God. the complaint states.
2: Fucking hell.
0: Bartering with sturgeon eggs. <laughs> so good. you like, going into a bar in town and being like, oh, just a round of beers, thanks. Here's, um... Just sliding it's, some sturgeon eggs across the 7 table. Seven
1: million eggs. <laughs> filthy caviar <laughs> across the bar. Uh, will this be enough? <laughs> Keep he the le- change. He leaves two million sturgeon eggs on the counter <laughs> and he takes one off every time the surface is bad.
2: <laughs> Whole town's running on sturgeon economy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Investigators interviewed Koenigs in January 2020. He told them that DNR registration workers collect eggs as part of a fertility study. If a Spearer wants the eggs back, the workers won't collect them or they will turn them after they've been studied, Koenig said. Investigators asked him why workers at a registration station were putting eggs in a cooler marked for a caviar (laughs) processor.
2: It's just a big esky that says for caviar.
0: (laughs) For crime.
1: (laughs) This is the fishbowl version of just like putting all of your money in a big bag with triple X written on it. Like big dollar signs. (laughs) God damn. Koenig said he didn't
0: know the processor, that staff shouldn't be taking custody of eggs, and that he didn't know the processor kept a cooler at the station. He said he had never called the processor. When the investigators showed him phone records confirming that Koenigs had in fact done so in May 2018, he said he didn't know what he and the processor discussed, but that he was sure it wasn't sturgeon eggs. (laughs) No, Can't I remember,
2: was, but it wasn't about the sturgeon eggs. Yeah,
0: I was talking to the sturgeon egg processing facility about something completely different, something probably else. the football. Did you catch the game?
2: <laughs> oh, boy, get a lawyer, sir.
0: Yeah, please don't represent please. yourself. This is not going to go well. Uh, he insisted he didn't know that any DNR workers were collecting eggs and giving them to members of the public who weren't involved in department research. He added, however, that if a spearer asks for eggs to be taken to a processor as part of the research, DNR workers will, DNR workers will do so, and that processors sometimes thank DNR staffers with jars of caviar. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. It's a gift. It's just a it's gift, a caviar. Gift.
0: <laughs> Investigators interviewed Kendall Kamke, a DNR fishery supervisor, the same day. He said he was guilty of taking eggs to a processor here and there, and the processors would give him jars of caviar in return. One processor gave him moonshine, he said. <laughs> it's one what? of those classic sturgeon eggs for moonshine corruption scenarios.
1: <laughs> what? Why is this all on the bar? Like, this is something that must happen just continually. They have an entire barter system set up for it, like the fucking John Wick coins but way yeah. grosser. <laughs> You've got this one <laughs> horrible sticky ass egg. Oh. Everything is one jar of caviar. That's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Investigators also uncovered official DNR logs showing that caviar was going to a processor according to the complaint. A former DNR fishery supervisor named Ronald Brooke told staff had re- uh, told them staff had received caviar from processors for years and ate it at meetings. <laughs> Two processors told investigators that staff would give them eggs. One of them said he made 65 pounds of caviar out of them in 2015. He and Koenigs were both oh nervous God. about the arrangement because it was prohibited, he said. A DNR Sturgeon registration employee told them that one year they threw out all the eggs because wardens were asking too many questions about them. <laughs> oh Ditch God. the eggs!
2: Just flushing caviar down the toilet.
0: <laughs> come on, come on. The feds are here. <laughs>
2: Oh, scientists are so stupid.
0: This is amazing. Uh, Investigators search Koenig's home in June and seize his DNR issued phone. They discovered it had been erased in April, four months after they interviewed him and reset without the department's permission.
2: Just erasing all his caviar texts. Just
0: too many incriminating texts about how nice the caviar he just had was. (laughs) <laughs> last week Koenig told investigators that his staff were indeed taking eggs from five to six sturgeon to processors annually after research rather than throwing them away. he also said he accepted 20 to 30 jars of caviar annually from processes and dispersed it to as many as a dozen co-workers for their personal use according How are they to a complaint. Using it? I mean put it on I'd a say it's for doo, eating. On a biscuit I guess put it on I don't it. know
2: a toast. Don't know. Never how did they? How
1: did they like come across this ring in the first place? Anyway, was, was is there just someone going around checking sturgeon holes? <laughs> ah, yep. Another sturgeon <laughs> hole, completely empty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, yeah. This maybe there was a whistleblower. It's hard to say. Mm-hmm.
2: There's a snitch. There's a snitch among there's them. A snitch, there's a snitch. Just take your caviar snitch. and shut up.
0: Um. Kerning's false statements added hundreds of hours to an investigation that could have been dramatically shortened had he told investigators the truth. The complaint said,
2: "Well, he would have gotten away with it, it wasn't for you meddling feds, you know." <laughs> <laughs>
1: and is it all so of the harmless? phone records and
2: <laughs> is it? I mean, records. come on, who are you hurting with your with your caviar stealing? I mean, just I don't know sturgeon. if this is just
0: like something that he said to because you know he was charged with a crime, but the fact that they were doing it rather than throwing it away—if that's true.
2: Let them keep mm-hmm. the caviar.
1: Also, the fact that they don't seem to be profiting from this so much as just getting huge getting jars caviar. of delicious caviar <laughs> to eat, like, and they're suffering some sort of like caviar madness that they would just be eating caviar at a at a meeting or whatever, just big spoonfuls <laughs> of the of the stuff. It kind of reminds me of um, the uh, British expedition that was supposed to bring home a bunch of turtles. Uh, but they found out the turtles were super delicious and they couldn't stop making turtle soup mm. from them and ended up bringing no turtles home because they were literally unable to stop themselves from continuing to eat the turtles. I hate it when that
0: happens. Mm-hmm.
1: Too many turtles. It's turtles all the way
0: down. So um, that was a story about uh, people breaking some laws. Mm. But here's a story about people making some laws. It's oh. time, of course, for Omen's Importance. And this is probably where the theme for that would be. Wonderful. Do you want to hum it, Theo? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, perfect.
2: <laughs> That's the one.
1: You shall see hail fall from a clear sky and burn as fire upon the ground. You shall see darkness cover Egypt when the sun climbs high to noon.
0: You shall know that God is God and bow down to his will. From the Associated Press, Nevada bill would allow tech companies to create governments. Don't
1: do that. Don't. I probably
2: don't do that one. Please. We don't need to read the
1: story. It's not
0: good. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a big no from us. Holy Mm -hmm. fuck no. Please no. We are going to read the story, though, because it gets worse. Planned legislation to establish new business areas in Nevada would allow technology companies to effectively form separate local governments.
1: Don't do that.
0: (laughs) Democratic Governor Steve Sisolak, don't know if I'm saying that right, announced a plan to launch so-called innovation zones in Nevada to jumpstart the state's economy by attracting (laughs) technology firms. Las Vegas Review-Journal reported Wednesday.
2: Fucking hell. (laughs) Zones
0: would permit companies with large areas of land to form governments carrying the same authority as counties, including the ability to impose taxes, form school districts and courts, and provide government services.
2: Stop. Don't do no. this. Mm-hmm. Just don't. We've, really looking forward to the. We've already tried this. Airbnb Stop.
0: LLC district court. Oh my God. That'd be great.
1: <laughs> Company script. It's just fucking Amazon vouchers. Oh
0: my God. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's going to be, right? Like, Amazon will One, open 100%. a fulfillment center that is like, yeah. yeah. The measure to further economic development within with the, quote, alternative form of local government has not yet been introduced in the legislature. like pitched the concept in his State of the State address, delivered January 19th plan would bring in new businesses at the forefront of, quote, groundbreaking technologies without the use of tax abatements or other publicly funded incentive packages that previously helped Nevada attract companies like Tesla. So what they're saying, of- no tax incentives,
1: but we will let you make your own laws. And what kind of fucking groundbreaking technologies? Like, this is 100% just going to be ending up like them building a whole bunch of server farms for Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. And then uh, making sure that the people who live there don't have any form of currency they can use anywhere else outside of the server farm county.
1: Mm. Now, this is fun coin, and it can be spent anywhere within our county. Wink.
0: Is this like named Blockchains LLC yeah, as a is. company oh, that had committed to me. developing a smart city yeah, is. in an area east of Reno after the legislation was passed? You know that You got that one for you.
2: This is a made-up sentence. Blockchains LLC smart city.
0: Like, if you had written this into, say, Cyberpunk 2077, people would have been like, shut the fuck up. We're all
2: dead. That's, we all died in. We all died of 9 11. All of this. <laughs> None of this is real.
1: <laughs> we are experiencing brain death mm-hmm. in a tank somewhere. And mm-hmm. at least we can be kind of just a little bit. Um, Satisfied in the fact that nothing in this city will work if you have to, like, if you press a button on the pedestrian crossing, which I, I think is very generous of me to imagine that there will be pedestrian crossings in mm-hmm. such a place. Yeah. Uh, and then a signal gets sent and a coal mine has to burn four tons of, CO, of, like, of coal producing, you know, CO2 and all this sort of stuff to decide whether or not um, the traffic lights should change. Um, it, but it's a it's a decentralized, trustless system, so it's got that going for it. Just imagine being, like, whatever services you had to,
0: you know, your local fucking DMV or whatever, and then just being like, oh, no, it looks like you're trying to go on your break at work. You don't have enough time. Go back to work. Like, this is just going to be fucking... The draft proposal said the traditional local government model is, quote, inadequate alone to provide the resources to make Nevada a leader in attracting and retaining businesses and fostering economic development in emerging technologies and industries. The governor's office of economic development would oversee applications for the zones, which would be limited to companies working in specific business areas, including. And get ready for this. (laughs) Fuck Mm
2: -hmm. off. Fuck off. (laughs) I hate it. Blockchain.
0: Blockchain. Autonomous technology, the Internet of Things, Robotics, Artificial Intelligence, Wireless, Biometrics, and Renewable Resource Resource Technology. Of those things, only one is real. Yes. <laughs> yep. Imagine how good the Internet of Things one would be though. Welcome to Internet of Things, Phil. Nothing works and it never will. <laughs> Uh, Zone requirements would include applicants owning at least 78 square miles of undeveloped, uninhabited land within a single county, but separate from any city, town or tax increment area. Companies would have had at least $250 million in plans to invest an additional $1 billion in their zones over 10 years. The zones would initially operate with the oversight of their location counties, but would eventually take over county duties and become independent governmental bodies.
2: This is hell that we're in. (laughs)
0: The zones would have three member supervisor boards with the same power as county commissioners. The businesses would maintain significant control over board membership. That's That's what you want. It seems this is fucking insane, right? Fucking
2: batshit crazy.
0: It's so on the nose. It's just.
2: Like, who wants this? Who likes this? Is it libertarians?
1: It must be, surely. I love, like, opening the book Neuromancer and reading it and then putting it down and going, well, that all seemed good. (laughs) sounds good to me. (laughs) Well,
0: this was quite cool. Aesthetically very pleasing. So, therefore, uh, it must make life nice.
1: Highest per capita use of leather jackets, though. So, that's nice. (laughs) With, like, one arm cut off. (sighs) Well,
0: look, that sounds very grim. And it looks like the future is going to be particularly shit. But uh, in some good news... We might not be traveling forwards in time. Uh, This is a story from The Age. Experiment to... Sorry, I need to apologize in advance uh, because this is written in a very florid style that is very silly, but the substance (laughs) of it is good, I promise. Uh, From The Age, experiment to test the nature of the universe set up just in time. Associate Professor Eric Streed says the irony is not lost on him that he was racing the clock to make it home on time ...after setting up an experiment that could upend what we know about the nature of time itself. The Griffith University experimental physicist had just set up an experiment... ...to test the cutting-edge quantum theory of time at Australia's only nuclear reactor at Lucas Heights in Sydney. I went down in mid-December in the very narrow window of time... ...when people from Queensland were able to go down, Professor Street said. I had been planning to spend a few days in Sydney with my wife... ...but then the Northern Beaches cluster happened, so we had to hightail it back over the border. We made it with about eight hours to spare... Having set up the experiment, Professor Stree now has all the time in the world to gather data that will either prove or disprove the theory which proposes that time works differently than we had supposed. The quantum theory of time has been put forward by Professor Joan Vaccaro, was also based at Griffith, after about a decade's work. Current scientific understanding supposes that, we think of, that what we think of time flows in one direction, from less to greater entropy, as a fundamental feature of the universe. Professor Vaccaro's theory suggests that time can instead move in either direction, and we only observe it moving in one direction. Now, that might be a bit confusing, Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll just read you this next sentence here. She likens it to the wind blowing the leaves on a tree. You can see the leaves moving, but you don't assume they cause the wind to blow through them.
2: Pardon? Mm -hmm. I'm going to...
0: She likens it to the wind blowing the leaves on a tree. You can see the leaves moving, but you don't assume they cause the wind to blow through them. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think that clears it up. Uh, if correct, the theory would be revolutionary because it would change our understanding of some fundamental laws of the universe, in particular, the conservation of mass. The theory is backed up with extensive equations. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. But it needs to be tested, which is where Professor Streed comes in. <laughs> I'm, uh-huh. I'm b-
2: unclear on what the theory is.
0: <laughs> the practical side of the theory is that if you have an area with a large amount of neutrinos, like that generated by a nuclear reactor, that time could move differently, he said. The sun is a good source of neutrinos, but you can't turn it on or, and or, sorry, on or off, so a nuclear reactor is our fallback option.
1: Not with that attitude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the clocks have been provided by the National Measurement Institute and include a range of atomic clocks that give accurate measurements over different time frames. If discrepancies can be found between the passage of time at different points around the reactor, it will suggest the neutrinos are causing a dilation effect. That would indicate the theory is correct, Professor Street said, although there would still be work to do. If the effect is occurring at the reactor level, we would need to validate it at other nuclear reactors and then look for the effect in other places, like planetary orbital data. Over the course of the 20th century, there's been several experiments done where the scientists got results that made them scratch their heads, but there weren't good explanations for why they turned out the way they did. This experiment is right on the edge of what's possible, and it's a testament to the organizations and the university to take that big swing. Now, Theo, can you please explain this to us?
1: Okay, so my... The thing about experiments, experiments with neutrinos are is that they, they sound like the coolest shit ever, and... You can do exactly nothing with any of it. They have to usually set shit up in like a cave underground uh, because neutrinos are very very flighty little little fellas, kind of like a kind of like little Theos flying through the air. Uh, and just like little Theos, um, they have very little agency and they can't change a thing. Mm-hmm. So very very difficult to get good results out of them. Um, so I think he's saying that. When you've got a lot of neutrinos, that uh, yeah. little bits of time can do different things than just travel straight forwards. But mm-hmm. it's, yeah, um, I don't, I don't think that anything's ever going to come of this. What's this, uh, what's
0: this about breaking uh, conservation of mass? That sounds bad.
1: Well, sure. It sounds bad, yeah, uh, and it would be bad, I guess. Uh, but if anything ever came of it, which it won't, like like everything else, measuring neutrinos passing through stuff, um, it's it's always like, well, we found uh, very very s- tiny, slight perturbations of the universe uh, that we can't use for anything, and the only way we can see it is because uh, neutrinos move very slightly differently. Um, at two stations 400 kilometers away from each other so that's fun i bet because they set it up as like being able to time travel yeah uh, and we're all just getting older and closer to death i'm not that's true
0: i bet it would be useful for quantum computers somehow
1: oh yeah yep that Could thing that be. i've been Could told be the, the has thing been that like exists
0: right around the corner for the last two decades mm-hmm. what's going on with that
1: I love getting questions about quantum computers, the things that are right around the corner for the last two decades. Yeah. Um, from like very same thing, falls in the same um, same bucket as blockchain, where someone in like uh, senior management will go, Hey, we should uh, throw out all of our technology and just run <laughs> it on quantum computers. <laughs> that's uh, a great I hear idea. That's going to be, uh, you know, I don't really know anything about, but that's where you guys come in. The boffins, the eggheads, to make it happen.
0: I hear those computers are going to be zippy as hell.
1: Zippy as hell. Um, and they're just right around the corner. Yeah, they're right so around the corner. So enjoy that. I know we're going to look very foolish when this episode comes out and you're listening to it on your little handheld <laughs> quantum computer. <laughs> Actually, it- will look like huge assholes that know nothing about anything.
0: You know how we did that uh, the story about the brain
1: implants flashing lights into people's brains? Oh, we did look Mm. like huge assholes that know nothing about anything. That's right. And (laughs) that's the only time that this has happened. Oh, are we
0: wrong about that? Well, I mean, all of us read that story and were like, wait, this guy's improving the designs of them? Like, they already exist? That's the craziest shit I've ever heard. And then, like- Three people in the Discord were like, "Oh yeah, my mum has one of those." What the fuck?
1: Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. They so so a bunch of people got in contact with us to say, uh, "Yeah, I've got a relative with this. Um, they've got um, reasonably advanced um, Parkinson's, I uh, believe." So
2: well, now we look like assholes, don't we? What we
1: we do? Um, we already did, and now it's got it's getting worse. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, they just. Um, Oh, like when they're having a, a bad time, they they bring up their phone, um, they press a couple of buttons, they set it to the cool setting, and come good for a bit and and drastically like improve their quality of life. So check out getting brain implants. That's
0: fucking wild. Like, I mean, I'm not if a, you're
1: not feeling great. I'm not a particularly widely
0: read person. I don't pretend to be up with the latest and greatest in technological developments. But I just, how did this happen? And I didn't hear about it at all. And we, no one told us. No one Nobody. was, like, standing on a street corner being like, Oi, mister, we've invented brain implants. <laughs> Get the guys from the current affair
1: out there. Like, uh, you know, we're talking to people on the street that have brain implants and they say it drastically improves their life. Like,
0: it's just nothing. Yeah. Weird. And I,
1: I feel like a lot of it is because it's hard to start. It's hard to um, pick out in the media the stories that actually describe real and functional improvements that that people are actually performing versus people running neutrinos through a bunch of detectors and finding that they're you know, 20 nanoseconds later than they expect it to be or something like that.
0: Yeah, I think there's a real problem with science writing where, and I mean this is true of like most digital journalism that, you know, everyone's just trying to get as much traffic as they possibly can. So these stories, particularly from like science journalists that are writing up from press releases from universities, will try and find the like spiciest possible angle on something, which means inflating things that are not super significant discoveries into making them sound as exciting as possible. So you get flooded with all these stories where things sound fucking incredible, but you are kind of like, I mean, that's not really a thing, right? Like, you're probably not going to see that for a while. And then what happens is that we read a story about uh, mice with brain implants and we go, Tish for sure. That's that ain't useful <laughs> f- full for shit. And then uh, someone we are tells always us- always going, Tish for sure. This is saving my mum's life. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Uh, and don't take this as an uh, open opportunity to correct us. We hate being corrected and we never want to find we out. We hate it. Please don't tell us. Well, that's probably all we've got time for this week. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. It is still freemium free brewery. Uh, so bonus episodes free are free for this month initially we did this because uh well last year we did it because of COVID-19 uh and COVID-19 is done as far as I understand it it's finished so don't ever have to think about it again uh Mm -hmm. so now we're just doing it um because we can and it's fun and if you like the bonus episodes uh Uh, you can get those on Patreon outside of February
2: I forgot that we did a free month at the start of the pandemic and that was That was a long time ago.
0: (laughs) I think we did it for like two or three months and then stopped doing it. We're still here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. (laughs)
1: Uh, And before we go, uh, should we just uh, close out with a little little dispatch from Andrew who's building a fence currently? Mm.
2: Um, He's fencing.
1: We all agreed to podcast and then he woke, woke up and went, I'm building a fence.
0: Yeah, I just kind of thought when he said, uh, we'll do it early before we'll I do start it early. building a he fence. Spec-
1: he'd specify a time. He, yeah, he'd, he'd
0: maybe would, say what time he wanted say, to start. Hey,
1: yeah, kind of running out of time this morning yeah. if you want to do it in the next hour yeah. or so. you know, you And that's why communication started. is
0: so important. It's so
1: important. Anyway, yeah. we haven't worked that out yet. No. Um, but there is a text message here from, uh, from Andrew whose kids went to the zoo with Eleanor. Um, Evelyn copped the first injury, stuck her hand in a hole at the monkey enclosure, and got shocked by the feds.
0: <laughs> oh, No, I so oh, hate
1: to say it.
0: They shouldn't. It. I. It I don't feel do like that. that's
1: a thing. No, it shouldn't do that. No. That's not a thing that should happen. It really happen. shouldn't do that. But but also, I think very much in character for children of this podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame Evie. I think no. Yeah, you see a hole in the in the monkey enclosure. <laughs>
2: At the Canberra Zoo, you can, you can you can like interact with those monkeys. You can put your hand in there and get oh. shocked, apparently.
0: <laughs> well, apparently, you shouldn't.
2: <laughs> Probably shouldn't. I would, would be more worried about the monkey. The monkey, but I've anyway.
1: been putting my hand in that monkey hole for years. I never got <laughs> shocked. Back in my day, we liked the shock.
0: Anyway, that's it for us, guys. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.